let's get into the holy who. Man, I tell you, we've been having so much fun preparing for this sermon series, and I just, I am... I'm ecstatic, to be honest, <laughs> about what's going to come in the next couple of weeks. And so I hope you guys are, are, uh, are interested and uh, will be willing to go on a journey of discovery with us, but also a journey of allowing the Holy Spirit, allowing God, the Father, to do in your life what He purposed in the beginning uh, for us to have with Him. And that is a very close-knit, intimate relationship with Him whereby we are transformed into His image and enabled to walk in His power. And so um, that's why we kind of started with this series. Also, as a response, uh, a little while ago, we put out a little you know, put out a little survey to find out, you know, what are on people's hearts? What are people really um, feeling they need to know more about and, and areas of growth that uh, our people just want to grow in? And staggering result came back. Probably the, the top, no, not probably, the top two, and probably about, if you combine the two um, together, 80% of the result of that survey was that people wanted to know how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, how to listen to the voice of God and be led by the Spirit of God. And um, we just knew that right then, that it's going to be soon that we'll need to do a sermon series about this. So this is going to be a couple of weeks, and we're going to get into it slow and then pick up speed as we go, because um, we want to make sure that everybody comes along for the journey, because the Holy Spirit is for everybody. The Holy Spirit is for everybody. All right, so let's get into today. I want to read us our theme verse. Our theme verse, it's in John 16, verse 7, and that's kind of what we're running with. Is that the next slide, or am I missing a slide? Just popped in the next slide. Yes, it is indeed. Well, it might not be. He might just be real fast back there. Let's read this. But in fact, Jesus is saying, you hear, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And so the first thought that we want to start this series out with is first and foremost that Jesus is the one who introduces the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And the fact that it is more beneficial to them to walk with the Holy Spirit than it is to walk with him in person. Now, I don't know about you, but um, oftentimes in the body of Christ, you know, we find people are, people feel safe with God the Father, you know, painted with the correct truth, light on what a father should be. Having a father in heaven is just, it's awesome. And people love the fact that they have a father in heaven. In fact, I've often preached about that in times when we feel stressed out or just like anxious about stuff. I always, when my, when my girls freak out about stuff, I just like, hey, do you have a daddy? And then, like, even this morning, Hope was like, man, if I feel stressed out, I was like, girl. <laughs> First of all, she's seven, but never mind. I told her, you have a daddy. And so 95.7% of your stress should just be mitigated right there and then by that. You have a daddy, and he looks out for you and wants the best for you. And you know, that's the same for each and every one of us sitting here who are in Christ, who have made Jesus the Lord of our lives. We have a daddy and he looks out for us and he wants the best for us. And so we feel safe with a father and, and we feel safe with Jesus 
Because, you know, he's the Lamb of God and he's the Lion of Judah. He fights on our behalf, you know, and he, he makes a way for us unto the Father. He's a safe passage. And, and, and so, but then comes the topic of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, everybody goes like, hmm, now wait a minute. Because I've heard, you know, or I've seen, or this guy and that church and et cetera, et cetera. How I many of you have kind of been in, in, in discussions like that or, or environments like that? And we spoke about that and, and, and realized that it's important that we forget about what's going on in the world and forget about what's going on in the church at large and start focusing in on what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? Because if God gave us the Bible and the Bible is the Word of God in written form, um, the Bible is the Word of God and Jesus is a physical representation of the Word of God, it means that the written text and the incarnation should line up in emphasizing the need for the Holy Spirit. And guess what? It does. <laughs> it lines up perfectly. And we see in Scripture that Jesus taught this in person while he was walking the earth. And then after that, his disciples, through their writings and their discipleship to one another, emphasized the need and the walk that we now have with the Holy Spirit. And so... This isn't something that any particular church wants for their members. This is something that Jesus wants for his church. Can we, can, can we just agree on that? Okay. So, so this isn't supposed to be a denominational line separation thing. This isn't supposed to become something of, you know, you know that, that categorizes. Where I come from, we say categorizes categorizes us. This should be for each and every Christian that is alive today because Jesus wanted it for his church. And here's one of the really, really important things, reasons why Jesus wanted and why Jesus introduced, spoke on, and sent the Holy Spirit was because he had to help his disciples who was walking with him physically to make a transition from physical leadership to spiritual leadership. Imagine you're walking with somebody in person for such a significant time. Might not have been that long, but it was such an absolute life-altering time that they spent with Jesus, following Jesus, ministering with Jesus. And then all of a sudden he's gone. And, and if I was Jesus, I would, if I knew I was going to go, I wanted to make sure that these guys knew that, hey, I wasn't going to leave them orphans, like he said in his word. And so I would constantly be telling them, there is going to come a helper. There is going to come a leader that I want you guys to follow because, and then he would explain who this leader is and what his purpose would be and what his role is. And, and we're going to try and answer so many of those questions throughout the next couple of weeks. Okay, But I want to emphasize from in, at the beginning of our time together around this topic that Jesus wanted this for his church because we needed spiritual leadership since he had to go and be with the father and just as much as the disciples had to transition from from physical leadership to spiritual leadership christians today need to do the same you know we often start out following people 
to a place of, you know, getting converted, getting born again, getting into a relationship with God. And people kind of walk with us. And I don't know if you've seen these, these walk with me t-shirts that we have, but, but it is exactly right. The church is meant to bring people into a journey with God. That is, that is one of the biggest you know, roles that the church needs to make. We need to make disciples. So we need to take people's hand and say, hey, walk with me to a place where I can introduce you to Jesus. And after that, walk with me so that you can get to know him and walk with him and become more like him. But at some place, when you connect with Jesus, let me say this, to be, to be very accurate. When you connect with God the Father in a relationship through your faith in what Jesus did for you, something happens right there in that moment that is often misunderstood, that is often neglected, not even recognized. But in that moment, you are introduced to spiritual leadership because the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence on the inside of your life, in your heart. And it doesn't mean you know, this cardiac organ. It means your, your inner being, your heart. He takes residence in your inner being. And from there, he starts walking the journey with you. And so, you know, when, when the prophets of Old Testament times would speak about Jesus, he was given certain names, you know, the Redeemer, the Messiah. And then someone called him Emmanuel, that he would be God with us. And when Jesus came, he embodied that name, Emmanuel. He was God incarnate. He was spiritual God in physical form, exact representation, 100% God, 100% man at the same time. Yet he did not operate in his God power. He operated as a man on earth so that we can follow in his footsteps and with the same empowerment as he received, the same relationship as he had with his father, walk out the same purpose, the same way that Jesus did. And so he was Emmanuel. He walked with men on earth and then he went away. Not away, away. He went into the spiritual dimension with God the Father, the right hand of God, the Bible says, that he, where he's sitting at the right hand of God right now, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. We've, we've all read that verse in Revelation. But then he sent the Holy Spirit. And we read about the moment that had happened in the book of Acts and all the guidance that Jesus gave them. And he told them, you know, uh, how they need to wait up upon the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit was given. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, what we see here is we see a transfer happening from Jesus being Emmanuel to now the Holy Spirit being Emmanuel. God with us since Jesus has ascended has been and will until Jesus returns that title was conferred upon the Holy Spirit and so right now whatever interaction you have an experience you have with God on earth is actually and have always been an interaction with the Holy Spirit and so if you've trusted God up till now that means you've inadvertently trusted the Holy Spirit and you have been walking with him all along because in truth be told they're one they're one and the same 
but they are distinct persons that function with distinct, um, with distinct roles. And, and, and I mean, the Holy Spirit did not die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. But the Holy Spirit is the one that remains with us to this day. And so if you think of the fact that we are engaged in um, a spiritual reality where there is opposition to everything that we walk in, if you were to try and disrupt an army, what is the first thing you try and take out? It's leadership. And how is leadership most effectively taken out? If the troops cannot hear what they ought to be doing on the ground, it's like, it's a, <laughs> you know, it's chaos. And so the communication between leadership and troops are absolutely essential. And that's why communication um, sabotage is always such an, an important thing to prevent when there is, you know, when there is conflict. And that's, and that's part, one of the biggest roles of the Holy Spirit is to, is to reveal the truth to the church and to guide us into all truth. And so it's so important that that topic of hearing the voice of God and how to hear the voice of God. It's so important that we realize that the probable number one strategy of the enemy will be to disconnect you from the voice of God in your life. Because if he can disrupt God's communication to you, he takes out God's leadership. And then it's just, you know, everybody does what's right in their own eyes. I kind of think, you know, that, and we make up our own opinions about things because we can no longer hear the voice of God. And so... Um, in Ephesians 1 verse 19, um, Paul is writing and he says, I pray that you begin to understand how incredibly great his power to help those who believe in him is. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. The Holy Spirit is immensely powerful in our lives. He can change you in one encounter. He can change your opinions that you've held on to for decades. He can relieve you of hurt that you've had for decades in a moment of realizing Him, His will for your life, His heart for you. He is incredibly powerful in you. He's also incredibly powerful through you. He can help you to help a friend, a brother, a sister, a non-believer in a moment bring clarity to questions that they've been having that have been keeping them away from God and bring an absolute change to someone else's life. He can give you solutions to business problems. He can give you solutions to medical problems. I come from a church family who had a person who dreamt a solution, a cure for malaria, dreamt how it should look like and went on testing it in the labs and it actually led to discovery of a cure for malaria that has now saved millions of lives in Africa. The Holy Spirit is immensely powerful through us. We need to recognize that and, and, and allow Him space in our lives. John 16, verse 13, further on in, the, in our theme verse chapter, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak 
on his own, but he'll tell you what he has heard. In other words, the Holy Spirit actually just tells us what he has heard the Father declare, what he has heard the Father say. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives of me. And so the Holy Spirit almost walks within guardrails. Not that he needs it because he is God and he doesn't desire to do anything other than what the will of God is. But for us to understand that the Holy Spirit will never lead us beyond the parameters of Scripture, this verse is given so that we may allow him access in our lives. We may trust him because he only speaks what he hears and he only declares unto us what he received from the Father. And so the Holy Spirit is... Is really the is is really the one who 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 applies everything from God to us. If you think of a company, you know, leadership are often um, divided among certain roles, right? And so you can you can have a little picture of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Father would be the, the owner of the organization. And, he, and he's the one who, who came up with a vision, came up with a plan, and he sets the direction for where we need to go and what we need to accomplish. And then you have your CEO, who is the one who, who goes out and he accomplishes that work. He, he has to make sure that it gets done uh, um, uh, successfully. It's his job to make sure that the company objectives are reached. But then you have this guy. He's called the COO. He's the chief operating officer. He's the guy that really goes out and does the work with his workforce. He's the guy that interacts with his workforce to make sure that every department does their job. He's the one that keeps everybody on point and on, on, on target. He's the one that keeps deadlines reached. And he reports to the CEO to make sure that everything is happening. The CEO translates you know, things to him that he goes and he applies it to the workforce to make sure that they're able to do the job well. And that's the Holy Spirit. So whatever, whatever God, um, sorry, let me quickly find that little piece because it's valuable for now. So whatever God willed, Jesus accomplished, but the Holy Spirit applies it to the church. See the different roles that each of these persons in the Godhead play? Jesus accomplished God's will for us on earth, but the Holy Spirit is the one that really, ex that really comes and applies it to our lives. And that is why he is such an important person in the Godhead to acknowledge and to allow us to be led by him. Now, the Holy Spirit is literally everywhere in the Bible. Um, you know, if you look at the books of the Bible, in Acts, he's mentioned 71 times. In Isaiah, he's mentioned 43 times. In 1 Corinthians, and this is Old Testament, New Testament mix, he's mentioned 27 times. In Romans, 25 times. In Psalms, 23 times. In the Gospels, 67 times. And he's mentioned in 52 of the books of the, of the 66 books of the Bible. It's not like he's obscure. I don't know how it happens that he becomes a little unknown or, you know, a little mystical. Um, and it's probably because of humans. It's probably because of flesh. It's probably because of us interpreting wrong and maybe interacting wrong with him. 
But he is definitely not obscure according to Scripture, and God wants us to know him, and the, there's emphasis in Scripture on the Holy Spirit, and he's revealed to us. And then if you, if you read through the Gospels, you just see incredible amount of times where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like you can see him, you know, preparing the disciples' minds and hearts for that day when they're going to have to go, Jesus is gone. What now? And then go, oh, he meant for us to walk with the Holy Spirit. That's what he's been talking about the whole time. We never knew he would be gone by now because if you, if you remember correctly, the disciples really didn't get it until after Jesus was risen from the dead. <laughs> they thought till the very end that he was going to set up a physical kingdom on earth and overthrow the Roman Empire. They didn't get it. And so he might have been talking about the Holy Spirit, but they were just like, oh, there he goes again, talking about that Holy Ghost thing. You know? All right, Jesus, enough of that. Now let's, let's talk about takeover. Let's talk about, you know, when are we going to, how are we going to, you know, plan this revolt? You know, where do you want us to hit first? Like, <laughs> and trust me, he had political zealots, political activists in his group of disciples. And no doubt those conversations were happening in amongst themselves. But Jesus was setting up a spiritual kingdom that needed spiritual leadership to go into the rest of the world to empower the church to make disciples and reach into, reach into all nations. And so I want to look at four, for the rest of today, I'm going to look at four times the Holy Spirit started something. Just to show you the absolute involvement of the Holy Spirit in four of the most critical beginnings that is revealed to us in Scripture. Four times where the Holy Spirit so significantly played a role in starting things in Scripture. And then we'll end off with a little, um, a little charge to take home. The first thing that the Holy Spirit helped begin was creation. Like, that's not one of the biggest beginnings, right? <laughs> it's the beginning of all of our physical existence. The Holy Spirit was right there in the beginning. And in Genesis 1 verse 2, we see it so clearly. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God. And then it starts saying, and God said, let there be. And guess who was the one applying God's will that was accomplished through His sent out word to make things happen in the physical realm? Guess who it was? Guess who it was? Well, it was the one who was hovering on the surface of the deep. It was the Holy Spirit initiating creation in, in the physical realm. It was the Holy Spirit. He was the one who actually made the power hit earth to initiate these things. And there are very many you know, amazing theories about how that then happened. But the bottom line is that nothing happens without God's initiation. So it doesn't matter if you believe in you know, old earth, young earth, or, you know, anything. What ne is needed is God's initiation. Nothing comes from nothing. 
Okay? And the mechanisms of how it happened, that's up for debate, and we can talk long hours on that. But the bottom line is, doesn't matter what theory you hold to, if you're a Christian, you cannot other than believe that God initiated. He started it. And the person in the Godhead that started that in, in physical uh, manifestation was the Holy Spirit. He was there right in the beginning, making it happen. What the will of God was that was accomplished through his saint outward, and later on the saint outward is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. And today still the Holy Spirit is the one that makes the physical happenings take place in our midst. The second beginning where the Holy Spirit was fundamentally involved was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You'll remember this amazing moment in Matthew 3, verse 16, where it says, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. God was absolutely thrilled to allow the Holy Spirit to come on Jesus to kickstart his ministry, that, 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 um, to kickstart his ministry. And we see how from there on the Spirit of God starts leading Jesus. First and foremost into the wilderness where Jesus fasted for his ministry. And, 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 and from there he went about just about the Father's business. He didn't look back any longer to any of his own. He was following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and he was doing everything he was doing in the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit kick-started Jesus' ministry here on earth. That's, I mean, that's one of the most, you know, significant beginnings that is revealed to us in Scripture. And then lastly, you see, not lastly, second to last, you see... <laughs> The Holy Spirit is right there at the beginning of the church. He begins the ministry of the body of Christ. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says to his disciples, um, you have to go and wait in Jerusalem because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people everywhere about me telling people about me everywhere. The Holy Spirit then comes on a group of disciples. And man, we've been looking at this verse and it is just so incredible to see what happens there. And if you dissect what happens there, you realize that God's heart is for every nation. The first thing that happens when people got filled with the Holy Spirit is that people from every nation that was present there heard the gospel being preached to them in their own language. If you just look past the whole concept of, okay, that they, you know, the Bible says they spoke in different tongues and all that, just forget about that for a little bit and realize this, that there were people from all kinds of nations observing this moment and God says through that moment, I am starting the church and the church is going to be reaching out to who? To every nation represented. Every single group of people from every country is on God's heart. He bled and died for it and the Holy Spirit defined 
the objective of the church right there and then when the Holy Spirit activated the church in its ministry to be an outreach to every single nation. I just love that. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that just, that blew me. I love God's heart for people. And he brings definition through his Holy Spirit to what our calling as the church is. Our calling is to reach all nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And the last beginning, that's kind of like a, it's like an ongoing thing. And I don't know if you know this, but the Holy Spirit was there when you started a relationship with Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that introduced you into a relationship with God the Father. He was there. He was the one guiding you. He was the one bringing the conviction inside your heart, telling you that this is God's will for your life, and this is good. He was the one who was drawing you closer to God to say, hey, maybe I need to look at this God thing more intently. He was the one telling you, hey, there is more in a relationship with God than what you've been told, than what you've been made to believe. He is the one that convicts the world of its sin so that we will repent, of righteousness so that we will know our identity, and of judgment so that we'll know the call on the church to go out and save people's lives. It's all the Holy Spirit's applicated applied work of the will of God in our lives. In Titus 3 verse 5 to 6, it says, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. And He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He did it through the Holy Spirit. And he generously poured out his spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Salvation is purposed by God the Father. It's accomplished by Jesus on the cross. But it is applied to our lives by the Holy Spirit. And that's how God's government works. That's how his leadership structure works. And nothing is going to get done until God wills it. Through Christ, like we just sang, His promises are yes and amen in Christ. Jesus accomplished it so that it can happen. But the Holy Spirit comes and He makes it happen in your and my life as we allow Him to lead us and to guide us. So without the Spirit's, we call it agency, but really what that means is without the Spirit's work, without the Spirit's physical application of God's will everything remains theory everything remains opportunity it's like it's like kinetic energy that is waiting to be happened but it's still potential energy it hasn't been set forth into motion until the Holy Spirit gets involved in our lives and that's the beauty of allowing him access in your heart as he sets all the potential of the kingdom of God alight and he makes it happen.
we see that creation didn't start without the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't start without the Holy Spirit. The church didn't start without the Holy Spirit. Your relationship with God didn't start without the Holy Spirit. Why are we going to deny Him access in our lives after all that? He truly is God's workman. He is the executor. He get, executor, not tor. <laughs> executor. He executes God's will. He applies it to our lives. He makes it a reality. If God depended on the Holy Spirit to enact His will on earth, if Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit to lead Him in His ministry, and if the church depended, and the disciples depended on the Holy Spirit to lead them, how often do you read in Scripture, Paul said, well, the Spirit of God prevented me from going there. Because God knew with the timing, yes, that needed to get done. Yes, it was on Paul's heart to do it. He had a desire to do it. He wanted to do it. But the Holy Spirit was saying to him, not yet. Go this way. He prevented him from going. Paul in his own desire would have gone. And how many times do we do things because it's the right thing to do. God wills it. Jesus accomplished that it could happen. But if you don't know the timing of the Holy Spirit, you can step into something and make a mess of it. But if you follow his leadership and patience, the Bible says through faith and patience we inherit the promises. That's being led by the Holy Spirit as to when to do the will of God. How many of you want to know when to do the will of God? Man, I want that discernment more and more and more in my life. I know what God's will is. It's so clear in Scripture. And so often we're like, man, I know I need to tell that guy about Jesus. But when do I do that? Well, if you learn to be led by the Holy Spirit, you'll learn when that person's heart is ready to receive it. And you can then share. And up till that point, you just pray for that person. You talk to God about that person before you talk to that person about God. And there's so much that's in this interaction with the Holy Spirit of benefit to us to let Him and His will reign in our environment. Today, we're going to end it right there. Because I want you guys to go home and read about the Holy Spirit. I have a book that, that I know is going to help many people. It's, called, it's a book by a guy called Don Basham. And there's many books on the Holy Spirit. So you kind of need to remember the author's name, Don Basham. A handbook on the Holy Spirit baptism. And this book is basically a bunch of questions and then a lot of answers from Scripture on the Holy Spirit. And so as we enter into this journey in discovering more and learning how to better hear Him, interact with Him, live with Him, and be led by Him, do your own reading. But do me a favor. Read the Bible and read this book. Don't read end-time things and, <laughs> you know, go listen to people that you know you're going to be offended by and be confused by. Because God wants us to come back to the essence, the core. Not the weird and the wonderful, but the truth about this very, very important third person of the Trinity. So that we can walk in the newness of life, in our new identity, 
and we can walk with the power of God leading us and guiding us. I want to pray for us and then we're going to, we're going to um, conclude. Father, I just thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to guide us, Lord. We are better off with the Holy Spirit being with us here, Lord God. And we just want to praise you and thank you for his role in our lives and ask you, Lord, help us. Help us to, to filter through all the things that are man-made and come back to the true nature, calling, purpose, and the reason for why you sent the Holy Spirit. During this time, we pray that in Jesus' name, amen.